Hi, everyone, and welcome once again. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and you know what day it is. That's right. It is Wednesday, hump day, May 17th, and this is our Midweek Bible Study 2023 Spring Edition. I'm excited to be with you because we're continuing in our study with the second half of 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 12 to 21, and we're going to talk about being witnesses to his glory and what that means. There's a lot to talk about today, as always, but before we do, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much for the blessing of this day. Thank you for all that have come to learn from you today. God, we just want to hear from you. So open our hearts and minds to receive your truth. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen and Amen. If you have your Bible or Bible app, open it up to 2 Peter chapter 1. That's 2 Peter chapter 1. We're going to be starting with verse 12, going all the way to the end of the chapter, verse 21. Here we go, 2 Peter 1, verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on that sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God, as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That's just an awesome passage today. Let's begin with verses 12 to 15, where Peter gives his readers some helpful reminders. Here's verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Here's our first question. What is Peter reminding his readers about, and why is that important? Because of the glories awaiting the believers, Peter intended to keep on reminding them not to allow their salvation to become a license for immoral living, nor to rest content in the knowledge of the gospel without obeying it and applying it to their lives. Peter knew that the believers were standing firm in the truths he had taught them. In fact, they were rock solid in these truths. Here he used the Greek word sterizo, which means fixed or established or strengthened. And that's important for us to understand as well. We need to hear the truth of the gospel again and again to highlight the connection between what we know and what we will do with it. Next up, let's look at verses 13 through 15. That's 13, 14, and 15. They read this way. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. Here's the question. What is the main reason Peter is committed to reminding the believers of the gospel truths he taught them? Peter's mission, if you will, was to remind them of what they knew in order to stir them up. 
He sought to motivate them to act on the knowledge God had given them. Peter's point also reminds us that we as believers need to keep coming back to the truths we know. We should emphasize the truth over and over so that we're provoked, if you will, to act on it. The fact that we already know the contents of God's word is no reason to ignore it from that point forward. Repeated reminders of the truth not only keep us secure in what we know, it helps us better understand how to interpret, apply, and defend it. Now also in verse 13, Peter uses an interesting metaphor. What is it and what does it mean? The metaphor Peter used here is when he referred to his physical body as the tent of this body. Do you see that there? The word is also translated tabernacle in the King James. Paul referred to this earthly tent we live in on this earth waiting for our heavenly dwelling back in 1 Corinthians 5 verse 1 and 4. Neither Peter nor Paul suggested that the physical body was unimportant or inherently evil. In fact, Paul referred to these bodies as temples of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember that back in 1 Corinthians 6.19? Peter and Paul used the word tent to carry the idea of a temporary dwelling. While he was on earth, Peter would use the tent of his body in obedience to God's will. Death was simply putting aside the physical tent so that the soul could depart to be with God. That tent would be raised again, though, on the day of the resurrection. So Peter's purpose thus far was not to criticize, but to encourage. But he also gives us an indication about how he might not be doing it much longer. What's that all about? Peter knew that his earthly life was drawing to a close. Most Bible scholars suggest that this letter was written not long before his death. This explains his encouraging tone in the prior verses. Again, there he had reminded his readers that they already knew all they needed to know in order to live as Christ intended. In the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verses 15 to 19, Jesus himself describes to Peter how his life would end. This was shortly after Jesus' resurrection and part of a very difficult conversation. Jesus asked Peter three times if he loved him. This was an echo of Peter's three denials of Christ. Each time, Jesus responded to Peter's assurance that he loved Jesus with a command to care for his sheep. Jesus told Peter men would lead him where he did not want to go, describing how he would die. Then he commanded Peter to follow me. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified, possibly upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in an upright position as Christ was. Peter did indeed follow the path of Jesus. He did it all the way to the end. Then in verse 15, Peter continues speaking about why he is reminding the believers of the gospel truth. What is he saying? Peter was planning for the believers' futures. He wanted to ensure that after he died, they would hold fast to the vital truths they already knew. So in doing so, Peter continued to obey Jesus' command to feed the sheep right up until his last days on earth. He continued to serve as Jesus served. He continued to follow the Lord. Amen. Next, let's look at verses 16 to 18 and the testimony of an eyewitness, starting with verse 16. For we did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Here's the question. Throughout the Bible, the patriarchs, prophets, and apostles routinely taught about the validity of scriptures and often from an eyewitness perspective. Why do you think Peter defended that authenticity here? Today, a great number of people believe the claims of Christianity that they're just fables, folk tales, legends, and so forth. Despite the evidence, often without any at all, 
These same people are counting on the idea that the Bible is mostly invention with little truth. Even in Peter's day, this was a counter to the preaching of the gospel. Arguments over the reliability of the message had already begun. We talked about that back in the study of Corinthians. Not only had some doubted what they'd been told, but others were trying to take advantage of the situation by making up their own stories. Peter writes that his personal case for Christ is simple. He saw Jesus' majesty with his own eyes. He is reporting as an eyewitness. When Peter preached about Jesus' power and impending return, he wasn't following someone else's script. He was speaking from his own experience. Specifically, Peter will refer to seeing Christ's majesty. Peter was present for an event we commonly call the Transfiguration, Matthew 17, verses 1 to 8. This is not the only miracle which Peter saw, nor the only piece of evidence he's going to use. But for this event, it's the clearest example of how he knows for sure that what he is teaching is the truth. Next up, verses 17 and 18. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mount. The question is, what specific event is Peter referring to here, and what is its significance? And in verse 18, who are the quote-unquote we that Peter talks about? Well, here in verse 17, we see that the specific event Peter uses as proof is one of the most unique and profound moments in the Bible. We commonly call it the transfiguration because Peter, James, and John were allowed to see Jesus transfigured from his appearance as a normal man into the true and eternal appearance as the Son of God. This is described in more detail in Matthew 17, verses 1 to 13, Mark 9, 2 through 13, and Luke chapter 9, verses 28 to 36. Peter saw Jesus' face shining as the sun. His clothes became as white as light. But the part Peter emphasizes here is hearing the voice of God, the majestic glory, speaking clearly that Jesus is his beloved Son and that he, the Father, is very pleased with Jesus. Peter's argument is that God the Father himself gave honor and glory to Jesus, and Peter knew Jesus was the Son of God because he heard God say so. In verse 18, Peter concludes his thought, the we who witnessed the transfiguration are Peter, James, and John. For Peter, this is the most powerful confirmation of Jesus' message. Peter heard Jesus' teachings. He was there for most of Jesus' earthly miracles. So when Peter speaks of being an eyewitness who is not making up stories, there are more things on his mind than this one event. However, the transfiguration is such a powerful experience that Peter sees it as a primary proof of all Jesus claimed to be. Lastly, let's take a look at our final three verses today, verses 19 through 21, and let's talk about the origin of scriptures. Verse 19 says, And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Here's the question. As Peter reflected on the assurances of the second coming, what he and the other apostles had seen, heard, and experienced, he was reminded of another assurance. What was it? Peter focused on the unquestioned reliability of the scriptures as God's revelation of himself to the world. From the spoken word of the Father the apostles heard on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter moved to the written word, the Old Testament scriptures. Since the believers who first received Peter's letters had yet to have a complete New Testament, 
they relied wholly on the Old Testament scriptures. The preaching texts for the apostles were from the Old Testament. In Peter's mind, the word of the prophets probably meant the entire Old Testament. Peter also said in this verse that he saw the words of the prophets as a light shining in a dark place. What does that mean? In the darkness, a light gets our attention at once because by it, we're able to see everything. We don't simply stare at the light, but we enjoy the ability it gives us to see that which we previously were blind to. C.S. Lewis once wrote, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but by it, I see everything else. So Peter called the place where the light shines a dark place. The word rendered dark carried the idea of conditions that are filthy or unsavory. It's a proper description for the whole world that exists in spiritual darkness separated from the light of God. The light of God's word can guide us through the murkiness that difficult circumstances sometimes bring our way. And the phrase, the day, it means the coming of Christ. God's word shines into the sun-baked hearts of those without Christ. But it cannot be understood until it breaks through in the presence of the Spirit of Christ who makes God's truth known to us. And now our last verses for today, verses 20 through 21. They say, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Our last question today is this. In these closing verses, Peter wrote about the source of all scripture. What is it and how is it applicable to our lives today? Peter wrote here of Revelation, the source of all scripture, not the book of Revelation, but being revealed in other words. One's belief about Revelation is foundational for faith. Christians must be able to rest on the infallibility, in other words, in the flawless nature, in the accuracy of Scripture, or their faith is of no value. Hence Peter's words, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation. Perhaps the false teachers were denying Scripture by denying its divine origin, by saying that the words were merely the writer's interpretations and not God's. That's something we can hear today even. Scripture, specifically the Old Testament prophecies, did not originate with any man, nor was it interpreted by the prophets themselves as they delivered the message. Peter affirmed the divine origin of Old Testament prophecy, that the Holy Spirit moved the prophets to speak from God. Scripture didn't come from the creative work of the prophets' own invention or interpretation. The same God who spoke to the disciples at the Transfiguration had spoken to the prophets, guiding them in their writings. God inspired the writers so their message is authentic and reliable. God used the talents, education, and cultural background of each writer, and God cooperated with the writers in such a way to ensure that the message he intended was faithfully communicated through the words they wrote. Through the Holy Spirit, God revealed his person and plan to certain believers who wrote down his message for his people. The process of inspiration, if you will, makes scripture completely trustworthy because God was in control of all of its writing. The Bible's words are entirely accurate and authoritative for our faith and for our lives. Through knowledge of the scriptures, believers would be able to recognize and stand firm against false teaching. And through the knowledge of the scriptures, believers would have all the tools and guidance they would need to truly live for God. What an amazing journey that's been. It's a short study in this sense, We've already completed verses 12 to 21, but do you get the picture? 
Let me give you a little bit of a recap. First Peter, here in Second Peter, the time in Asia Minor was difficult. There was heavy persecution, false teaching, and so forth. But even as that continued, Peter encouraged the believers to stand firm on the basics of their faith and to remind themselves of these truths, even though they knew them already. And they were to reestablish themselves in the truth that had been taught. The bottom line that Peter's saying to all of his readers and to us today is pay attention to Scripture. Amen? Amen. Next time, my friends, we're going to be studying 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and we're going to talk about imposters in the church. I really appreciate you taking time to join me today. Thanks for that. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day and week. I'll be right back here again next time, same time, same channel. Until then, take care, God bless you, and go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.